Hi, this is Mary and welcome to my podcast, Mental State, where I dive into all things mental health and more. So today I'm going to have a conversation with my friend Jacqueline about self-help books, dating, and how self-help works within the whole paradigm of attachment styles. So let's just drop into the conversation and learn about self-help, dating, and attachment styles. So, you know, I've given a lot of thought to our podcast and relationships and dating life. And one thing that I was remembering about my own dating life was I used to take a lot of programs and read a lot of books about how to find my perfect match. Oh, the good old self-help. Yes. yes. I'm very familiar. <laughs> yes, I know the the self-help about of dating. And what I realized is that I was turning towards these programs because I was feeling super insecure about myself. And so I thought that reading a book or taking a program was going to fix that. Yeah. Or like looking for the answer, like this book is going to have the answer or this this program is going to have the answer and I'll be at a better space. And even when I say that, what comes to my mind immediately, which I can personally relate to, is the anxious attacher is always looking to fix and better in some way. And I just have to say, you know, my own personal experience, when I look back, I'm also like the queen of not just self-help books. Like I have done, I mean, so it's been wonderful as a therapist because I have so many resources for people, but countless different programs and, and they, I mean, just so many things which really helped inform my practice. They were helpful. However, even with my therapist, she didn't specialize in attachment, an old therapist I used to have. And, and what happened was I experienced some trauma somewhere along the lines that while I got some help for the trauma and while I was doing all these other things because they were helping in some way, the mark was really missed on what the root of it was. And that's why I'm so passionate about attachment work because I, and I believe you as well, realize that once you start dealing with the root, then everything around you starts to shift. And that's what the, this old therapist had missed. You know, she just wasn't educated on it. You know, perhaps, there, you know, there wasn't as much research or information out there. And the problem I see with self-help books is not just that, you know, I think it, it appeals to the anxious side of us. Avoidance tend to. Right. Maybe, it's like, what, should, what do I need to do? What do I need to yeah. do? Chapter five. Go out and extend your social network. <laughs> and because anxious types are so spongy, right? Like mm -hmm. it's almost like yeah. it's, it's like it's one of the positive characteristics, but can be negative. They can be very affected by what they're reading, which is good, right? We want to make sure that we're intaking information that's helpful to us. But then when the book ends, it's the slide back. Right? Well, it's also, I, okay, so I read the book. I did all these things. I did all the tips and tricks and tools. And it didn't work. I didn't find my match. Oh, let me just tell you, <laughs> I did a certain book that was all about finding the one. I did that book three freaking times. And guess what? I did not even find a boyfriend from <laughs> that book. It did not work for me, okay? Because the root of my stuff was not being dealt with. And I was doing everything I was the queen of doing. And avoidant attachers, right? Like they're probably thinking right now, if you're out there listening and you're avoidant, is uh, great. Well, that's not my problem because I don't read self-help. And that's because mm. the avoidance side of us wants to depersonalize everything 
and dismiss it, right? This is about other people. This isn't about myself. I don't identify with this mm. or or self-help is pathetic. That's for other people, not for me, right? Yeah. Minimizing, dismissing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which is just as much of a problem. And when you look at, it's not that self-help is bad, right? It's as I remember you, you and I were speaking before, Mary, you were talking about how it's just another lens that can help you inform. And if you start to view programs like enriching your spiritual life because you want to be a better person, but it's not all of you in either way, right? Because deep down that avoidance side of us is really threatened by it as well. So the avoidant and the inner avoidant might say, oh, I don't, I don't identify with any of the stuff. This isn't me. But deep down, there's a real threat of what if it is? It's on the right. subconscious level. And also, even if the avoidant does engage in the program or reads the book and it doesn't work, the avo- you know, that's the other part of it. It's like, oh, I knew this wasn't going to work. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it the, kind defense of va- it, yeah, it, the defense comes up and it also like validates what they're already thinking. And for the anxious type, the shame comes up. Mm-hmm. Why didn't this work? Right. What's wrong with me? Or the disorganized, right, which maybe picks of the book, uh, frenzy, in a frenzy, reads like three chapters and puts it down and never picks it up again. Or goes high, can put it in for a moment and then just backs away and never does it again. Right? Well, okay, so tell me if this resonates with you because I'm kind of the queen of doing this, right? You're reading like the reviews or you're reading the, you know, the, th- the reviews from the people that are like, five stars, it's totally worked for me. Five weeks after putting the book down, I met my lifetime partner. And so I'm like, I'm like literally like gobbling up all of these reviews. Like it's got to work. It's got to work. It's got to work. It's got to work. Right. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's worked for all these people. And it's like even even reading the reviews and and kind of like creating this fantasy in my head that if I buy this book, this is going to work for me, like starts to make me feel even inside like I notice my heart you know, racing, my blood pressure going up, like it starts to cause that anxiety. Like this has to work. This has to work. This has to work. And so would you consider that the tigger? Or the guard dog? Or the guard dog. I think it's a little bit of both. I think on the surface, it's the tigger. But underneath that, right, is that guard dog coming from that sense of danger. There's something here that I'm unhappy about in some way that's not okay just to be, right? Well, it's also the external validation. Yeah. Right? Even though they may not be validating me per se, what they're doing is they're validating what I think is going to be my experience of doing this program, reading the book, and coming out the other side happily ever after. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I'm thinking about how we're not, not knocking Mm-mm. self-help books. What we're talking about or, or programs, we're talking about how to use them to your advantage while integrating your attachment style. because even you know, there there have been these studies on gratitude. This is just fascinating, right? We know there's everyone talks about gratitude. It's the missing link. Gratitude you have more lists. gratitude. Yes, mm-hmm. like your life will infinitely improve improve. Here's what's fascinating. Yes, that's true. If you have a secure attachment, it keeps you in the flow. Studies have shown, and that this is from this this book that you always see here for those of you who are watching us. The handbook of attachment is like the Bible 
of everything attachment, all kinds of studies, the whole the whole book. Theory, is, research, clinical yes. applications it's, of attachment. So this is a very well-researched topic. Very, very dense literature. If that appeals to you, go buy it on Amazon. <laughs> And in this book, where there is a, a a little section on gratitude and generosity and attachment styles, and what they found is that through insecure styles, the gratitude piece didn't work. And here's why: for those who ran avoidant, mm. they became some part of them. And I th I think this I suspect what I'm about to say for all of the insecure styles, it happens on. A more subconscious level, right? So it's not like we're clocking it consciously of, oh, this is the way I felt about it. No, it's something deeper within, right? Because the trauma, it's hitting the trauma piece, the unprocessed trauma. So for avoidance, it goes the the threat of closeness, because somebody, you know, being in gratitude could bring you closer to other people, you know, if you're thankful for what somebody's done, for example. That is the threat for an avoidant, right? So that's going to bring up that. So they're just going to push it down. Or it can bring up their distrust mm -hmm. in somebody being generous. Why would you want to do that for me? It can really, they shut down around somebody else being generous towards them. And they shut down around the gratitude piece. It's like, I can think it, but I can't feel it. Can't because deep down, in. can't take it in. Mm -hmm. Deep down, there's a sense of distrust there. Mm -hmm. There's a defense kind of. Like, it's like, the, I feel like the gratitude list for an avoidant, it's like you're going through the motions of yeah. doing it. But like you can't take it in. There's a defense, a distrust. Yeah. And I think for anxious types, I had the vision just now of it's gonna the work. Tigger. It's gonna like, work. I'm just going to do this. It's, you know, if I just right. do it, I'll just have it figured out and then I'll be okay. And what they found for anxious types is actually it can trigger while something started out a memory. Even remember, let's go, this is subconscious, right? So it could be like a PTSD response, a shutting down that your body has or more anxiety or not knowing what to do with it is oftentimes for anxious attachers, they'll, a memory will start off good, but then they'll remember the bad. Mm -hmm. And I see that a lot in my practice when we're trying to work with mm -hmm. like what we call resourcing yes. and those positive parts, right? The part of the work with anxious attachment is to really develop not just your tolerance for uncomfortable, painful emotions, but also your tolerance for joy. Because the joy piece is so associated with also the negative things, the anxious mm -hmm. attachers like, but, but then this happens. So then that doesn't count. It's again, you know? minimizing. Yes. And so because that gets triggered, the anxious type is also struggling to accept, to take in the gratitude, right? Or there's a sense of guilt there of now what do I owe? Or I don't deserve it in some way. And again, this isn't conscious thought, but just notice the next time of what the experience is really like for you and see if you can get into that felt sense that you mentioned, Mary, mm -hmm. before of how are you feeling when you're reading, for example, you said self-help books. Are you able to connect to what you're really feeling as you're looking into your gratitude list? Right. Yeah. And I, I know it's also like, I mean, it's like the anxious types, it's like they just want to be able to resonate with this so badly that mm -hmm. when it doesn't happen, there there can just be such a deep spiral of shame. Yeah. Yeah. And which is right one of one of the roots. And I I really consider shame in a certain way, it's kind of like a, a survival response. It's a deep desire to connect, right? Yeah. To feel less mm -hmm. alone. Yeah. Right. And so if you're looking at the root of that from an attachment lens, it's that anxious part says like, I feel so alone. And it's not bad to your deep desire if you run anxious is 
your desire to connect, right? But the work is connect to self, right? Mm -hmm. Build the inner strength. Mm -hmm. And for those disorganized types, you know, we can lead with the anxious or the avoidant. So it kind of depends on which category you fall into. Or maybe it's, I feel gratitude for a moment. Now I can't feel it. Like, what's going on with it? You know, like that kind of jerky response. Or if you lead with that dismissive style, you're probably going to just completely dismiss all gratitude lists. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say that when I was doing, I did do a workshop about, you know, dating and and kind of harnessing your inner power. And I think, you know, we were all the good little students with our pencils and our notebooks, just furiously like scribbling down, like, if I write enough notes, I'm going to find, you know, my perfect person. But I think really the most powerful part of that workshop was at the end, they had a panel of men. Yes. And they talked about what men liked in a woman's body and sex and relationships. And it was so powerful because it was like, what we thought, right, that they liked, they were just like, yeah, that doesn't really matter to me. So, I mean, oh. it, it even got like as intimate as like we were talking about like women's body parts. Yeah. And this one guy said, you know, this woman had lopsided breasts and I was just super into her. I really, I really loved her. You know, he went on and on about their relationship. And, and that really kind of like that clicked to me more because of just like, my anxiety over, oh, I need to be perfect. I need to look a certain way, that kind of thing. And that kind of helped alleviate some of that anxiety, just hearing that perspective, that sounds perspective. sounds like a deeper connection. Yeah. And when I think about that, you know, we're talking from like a heterosexual lens at the moment. Mm -hmm. But really what I think is so beautiful about the attachment piece is it doesn't matter. Like it is across the board whether you identify as gay, straight, pan, he, she, they, them, it doesn't matter. Your style is your style and it's right. still how you attach to someone, right? So the framework, the story might look a little different, but you kind of end up in the same. Yeah. The same. And I have to say, I mean, I love when we talk about attachment style because we talk about, we'll probably probably get this into this more in, in other episodes, but what we talk about a lot of times it can flip. Yeah. And so I know at times I would run more, I was disorganized across the board, but that sometimes I would run more avoidant and sometimes I would run more anxious. And so as I reflect back on that, I was definitely in more of my anxious attachment in that disorganized lens. And so it was through just the self-help. Kind of yeah, thing. through yeah. the self-help situation. I was just like, you know, looking for answers and and looking to be validated. And so it was, it was just, I felt like at that time, it was a repairing experience to hear from this panel of people about how they related to women. You know, what you'd said a second ago, of you were in your more anxious state. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we're single, either side can be triggered, right? Because we know with attachment style, it's both closeness as well as distance that triggers a secure or insecure style, right? And so for those who run a little more anxious, the distance is going to trigger, right, more anxiety, right, more pain, more yearning. So looking for the answer, even in self-help, is like a looking for closeness, right? Like you're looking for the answer yeah. to feel close to something. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think, you know, the system is the distance 
kind of constantly primes the system so you get triggered and re-triggered. That's why the the nervous, the sympathetic nervous system for right. anxious attachers is almost chronically dysregulated, mm-hmm. right? Whereas some people say, oh, then all of a sudden I went avoidant, right? They just learned the coping mechanism of shutting down. And, you know, I have, I have this joke with a fellow therapist about, well, if you're going to have insecure attachment, and I mean, avoidance is definitely the way to go. <laughs> it was so much easier to be avoidant. It, and, it, it, and even as you're talking way. about it, I was thinking about I was avoidant when when I had a lot of people that were interested in me. Yep, that's and what I was going to say. Yeah, and then I was so much more anxious when I was feeling like desperate to be in a relationship. I was desperate for that closeness, for that bonding, for that connection. So I never really thought about it until just this moment, how it flipped and why. And And I, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking of that earlier when you spoke and how I've heard that many times, right? Like, I'm anxious over here, but, you know, why is it the people I like never like me? And I really encourage you out there, if that is your pattern, is to lean into some of the discomfort around when somebody, you know, the ambivalence that might come up with somebody who likes you. I'm not telling you to date somebody you're bored with or you're not interested in any way. That's not what I'm saying. But if there's something interesting about this person or, or, you just enjoy spending time with them, even if it's just like, this is better than being alone. That's okay. And what I want you to do is lean into the discomfort of what it's like to not feel those big feelings for someone and to see if you can go a little deeper than that survival response, that ambivalence, to bring you back into alignment, that authenticity. And kind of, and I love how you're saying like lean into that feeling because I'm also thinking about like, leading into that experience of somebody showing up for you. Yeah. Yeah. And what does it feel like? Right. Yeah. And there's there's there can be real grief in that too, right? You know? And I I believe, right, I think I've said this before, <laughs> Claire Bidwell Smith has this book, Anxiety is the hidden stage of grief. And and I think actually ambivalence is too, right? And the problem if you're leading with that, you know, the avoidance style, the ambivalence, right? And you might say, hey, I'm getting along really well in life being alone. But we humans are interdependent beings and we're meant to be in connection with each other. And it always comes out sideways. There are no free rides in life. So it's going to come up and bite you in the ass at some point. Okay. Okay. So I want you to get more into when you said that there's grief in that. When I said lean into what is that like for somebody to show up for you? And then you said that there's There's grief grief in in that. that. So can you expand on that? You know, the whole root of insecure attachment is either the avoidant part of us learned, well, no one's going to show up for me, so I better rely on myself. I better be the lone wolf, right? I have to meet my own needs. In essence, I'm afraid that you won't be able to meet my needs or I won't be able to meet yours. So when someone starts to be able to meet your needs, there is like a sadness in that in the sense of the way that you knew that coping style, which was kind of like your best friend, that wasn't as true as what you thought. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I was actually sad. I was actually in distress when a parent probably or partner or whatever wasn't doing this for me. And wow, I realized I was in a lot of pain in these past relationships. So it's really bringing up old yeah. feelings that have been pushed down. Yeah. Okay. And the anxious part of us, the same thing, right? Anxiety is that surface level emotion beneath the anxiety is almost always like right fear, right? Or deep sadness. And that's consciously feeling those feelings versus just the anxiety 
will keep you more in balance, will, will keep your nervous system more balanced, which keeps you in more secure attachment. And doing this will help you stop those same patterns of reinforcing those neural pathways that just say, I need this person to be my everything, or they, they won't be able to meet my needs, <laughs> or, like, or, or I don't want them, like get away, right? It'll keep you more in balance of that. And so, okay, so Mary, what would be just going back to self-help books, because we're not knocking them, right? We're talking about how to I mean, I use think them for your advantage. Yeah, and I think that these programs have a lot of value. I just think that the promises, right, that we think that they're going to deliver, I think that's something to really be aware of. And what is our attachment to the promises? Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think I would say, go into these self-help books. And if you're avoiding out there, I want you to pick one off yourself that somebody <laughs> probably gave you <laughs> that you never read. I remember I dated this, this guy once. We went on a handful of dates and he knew I was a therapist. And he was like, I, I don't talk about my job that much when I'm not working. But anyway, he knew I was a therapist. Confidentiality. Confidentiality, yeah. It actually helped me lighten up around dating because I had this outlet for the deep conversation that I really needed to have. And anyway, but he always wanted to talk about this stuff. And he was like, oh, yeah. So, you know, I picked up this book that I've had on my shelf for a very long time that somebody gave me called Attached. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I finally decided to start reading it. I'm like, oh. Did he take the quiz? What was his attachment style? Yeah, that's why I said I was, you know, trying to hide my anxiety by nonchalant, nonchalant, nonchalantly asking what his attachment style was. And he goes, I said, what do you think your style is? And he goes, oh, think. Oh, no, 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 no. I know. Oh, Lord. I am avoidant. And I was like, red flag, flag, red flag, right? red flag, red flag. It was definitely a red flag. That person was not available. <laughs> Thank you for telling me that you're not available. I appreciate it. I yeah, got the answer exactly. real quick. You will be paying for dinner. Yep. And I should not be going out with you again, right? Like, see it, clock it, I should it, avoid you. <laughs> yes. That is the answer in that situation if you have a habit of dating emotionally unavailable people, which I did. So I would say to go into self-help stuff with the awareness around your attachment style and noticing, right, like if you run, the, if you run avoidant, the, the inclination to dismiss or not identify with at all, or if you run anxious, that, that need for it to be the answer. And I want you to start to clock that that is already dysregulation. So what I want you to do mm -hmm. is go regulate yourself. If you have that dismissive piece, you're not going to connect to that feeling. So connect to a physical sensation in your body, just knowing what that's like. And I encourage you to ask yourself from that place of, we call it the curious observer, of why, why, why is it so hard for me to connect with this, yeah. right? Right, if you run avoidant. Or what, what do I think I'm avoiding right now? Do I really think I'm that perfect? I don't have any issues. And if you run anxious, right, get yourself back into that regulation piece so that you're able to take in the information within balance, right? So that you can learn to take in what works for you and what doesn't with the sense of knowing that you're enough, right? That you don't have to be perfect and things will still work for you, right? You don't have to be perfect to make it all work, right? That's reinforcing the messaging that there's something wrong. Yeah. I think this just kind of popped in my head about kind of taking these books with a grain of salt, but I think, or these programs, I think what is, what could be fun too, is if you are interested in taking one of these programs or you are interested in reading one of these books, I think it could be really fun to do it with a friend, right? Because then you yeah. have someone to sort of like 
bounce your own insecurities off of, what's coming up for you, and really having deeper conversations around it. So you were saying, just for the record, to do it with a friend while both of you are aware of your attachment style, right? Right. Because I'm thinking I did one of those books with a friend when I was not aware of my attachment style and neither was she. So we were just stuck in our own spiral of, uh, you know, getting nowhere, just the wheel spinning. And here's the thing. So much of those self-help books, it's like the gratitude list. Mm -hmm. It's great if you're a secure attacher, which all of us have elements of that in. And so when I mentioned the regulation piece, the reason I said that is because when we're in regulation, we can connect to the securely attached part of us, right? And so much of the advice, per se, works if you're in a secure state Mm -hmm. and can re-traumatize or reinforce the messaging of the insecure attached, insecurely attached brain if you're in that state of dysregulation, right? right? You're not enough. This isn't going to work for you. Yeah. yeah. So I think really using these types of self-help books are really good ways of getting in touch with your attachment style, seeing what works for you, seeing what doesn't work for you, but they're not something to look at as They're going to solve all of your problems. I think they just can be guides to probably getting more in touch with your attachment style and what your goals are of using these self-help books. So thanks for listening to this podcast about self-help. If you have any questions about self-help, attachment styles, you can DM me at my Instagram at MaryBTherapy or visit me on my website at marybtherapy.com.